Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. chapter 11, verse 11 to 19. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves They would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Then the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. And they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. And we're continuing our series in Mark's Gospel. uh, And as we just heard, we're looking tonight at the story of Jesus cleansing the temple. I had the privilege of preaching that same story from John's Gospel last year at about this time. And so I thought, I want to take a bit of a different approach this time around. So it will be different. Just roll with it. Act natural. Uh, Let me pray. Lord God, don't let us be hard, too hard to hear how you want to challenge us. We pray that we would be willing to see things as you see them and change accordingly. Amen. My name is Yosef Bakayafa, usually known as Caiaphas. You've probably heard of me. I have been the high priest over the people of Israel now for more than a decade. And I do not intend on relinquishing my role any time soon. Imagine that, more than a decade. The last three high priests didn't manage three years between them. Now, people have whispered that I owe my position to the fact that I married a former high priest's daughter. But that is just the small words of small-minded people. They have no idea the courage it has taken to step into the breach and protect my people, to stabilize, to maintain the status quo, to establish trust with the Romans, to bring stability, prosperity in a time of fragility. Stability and prosperity in a time of fragility. That's my legacy. But now, my legacy is facing its greatest threat. Our people are facing their greatest threat. And it's all because of that, that illegitimate 
bumpkin carpenter from Nazareth. I've built peace with my bare hands. Well, not literally my bare hands. Let's leave the manual labor for him. But I have built peace through my own sweat and blood. And he's destabilizing everything. You should hear the stories about him. That he can heal every illness and make the the blind see and walk on water and make food materialize from thin air. And those gullible fools that I am protecting every day, they just eat it all up. On the contrary, I have heard much more reliable stories that he is the friend of tax collectors and sinners. Those are his kinds of people. And it was fine when it was all happening to the north. Stir up the yokels and the rabble by all means. There's no real power there. But yesterday, he came into Jerusalem. He stepped into my city. He came onto my turf. He came to shake things up here too. And the idiots welcomed him like like some sort of Messiah. As though they didn't have a protector already. They threw their palm branches and their cloaks on the ground before him to ride over. They rolled out the welcome mat. And my peers, they laughed. It's hard to take someone seriously when they ride in on a donkey. But I am the high priest of Israel. I know the scriptures. I understood that by riding a donkey, he was claiming to be king. And the fanfare took hours and hours and we waited and we kept watch. He came to the temple as we knew he would. We were ready. And perhaps because of our vigilance, he only looked about and then left the coward. My eyes and ears tell me he made his way to Bethany, the village over the mountain. Which makes sense. As though a man of that background could afford accommodation in Jerusalem during Passover week. I, on the other hand, returned to my palace for the evening. No doubt a different caliber of dwelling for a different caliber of man. This morning he set out from Bethany to Jerusalem and I heard the most curious of reports that on the way he cursed a fig tree for not bearing fruit. Again, my peers mocked him, too poor to buy his own breakfast, too dumb to know that figs are weeks away from coming out yet. But I am the high priest of Israel. I know the scriptures. A cursed fig tree that could have been lifted straight from the pages of Jeremiah, where God promises to judge our ancestors for their sins. Do you see how he just struts about as though, as though he were a prophet? Worse still, as though he thinks he is God himself on the earth, ready to bring judgment. Why would God bring judgment here? Everything is fine. That Galilean wants to make it seem like things are not okay, but I assure you, everything is fine. 
The only problem we have is that he might stir up the Romans. And then, when he arrived in Jerusalem, again he headed to the temple and again we were ready. We were waiting in the inner courts. We thought surely that's where he would stir up trouble, but we should have known that 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 demagogue, that man of the people, would choose to cause problems in the outer courts, the court of the Gentiles, where even non-Jewish people can come. And in the outer court, he... You see, we, in the court of the Gentiles, we have the most wonderful, effective merchant's area. Extra space devoted to it during Passover week, but only in the Gentiles' area. It doesn't really hurt anyone. People coming all over to offer their sacrifices can simply purchase an animal right there and then, fresh as you like. And if the price is a little bit extra, that is the cost of convenience. And of course, no one wants the temple to smell like cattle and sheep. But from what I've heard about the, con- the, the situation of this man's birth, he's more than fine in an animal pen. We have pilgrims coming from all over the world with different currency. And so, of course, they need money changers. And of course, I'm sure that the haggling is a little lowbrow. And maybe some people debate the exchange rate. But again, this is the cost of convenience. This is how an economy works. If there was no profit, how would there be a service? If there was no profit, how would there be servants for us? What would we have? A high priest with no one to serve him. So here we have. A delightful, convenient service for our pilgrims and a pillar of our economy here in Jerusalem. And the upstart just looked at it all and started driving out the merchants. He was flipping tables and benches like a madman. I have it on good authority that he even used a whip. Can you imagine it? On our holy temple grounds. By the time we got there, the commotion was dying down. And now, instead of fleeing from him, the fools were flocking to him instead. He had a a crowd of people around him listening to him teach, listening to him quoting the scriptures as though he were God himself. Is it not written, he asked, I hate how he says that, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. I I hated seeing him like that. I hated them listening to him. I just wanted to shout at them. Everything is fine. The temple was fine before he trashed it. That fig tree was probably fine before he cursed it. Everything is fine. And I, I, I could have. I could have crushed him there and then. And some of my peers wanted to arrest him right away. But they're fools too. The ignorant, they hang off his every word. Arresting him in front of them would only add fuel to the fire. We would have had a riot there then. No. This is a situation that must be handled with the utmost care. But we must act soon. It's not just the masses that are held under his sway now. 
No. Even some on my council are starting to be racked with self-doubt. Everything is fine. If I've told them once, I've told them a hundred times. Everything is fine. But now they wonder if it is not. They ask whether perhaps we are abusing the temple for our own profit. They worry we have lost sight of the will of God. All of a sudden they worry over righteousness. Righteousness. Forget righteousness. What about the Romans? Forget holiness. What about a whole army coming and attacking us because they think we're leading an insurrection? Forget sin. What about stability? What about the status quo that we have worked so hard to maintain? That, that false prophet is turning the rulers of this people into weak-willed hand-ringers that can't see clearly. Fortunately for them, fortunately for us all, I am the high priest over Israel. And I still see clearly. I understand that it is better that one man die for the people than that the whole nation should perish. I have a plan. Everything is fine. Or it will be once we see him nailed to a cross. All right, that's quite enough, Caiaphas. My voice is dying. Obviously, I'm using my imagination somewhat to, to sort of piece things together around his viewpoint. But we do actually know a lot about Caiaphas. Under Roman rule, uh, the Jewish people didn't have the right to appoint their own high priest. It was a political position appointed by the Romans. And so, on the one hand, you had to keep the Roman overlords happy, but you're still serving the Jewish people, so you have to try and keep them happy too. And so you're always walking this really narrow tightrope and Caiaphas manages to do this for nearly 20 years, way longer than any other high priest of his time. We know that he was a brilliant man, really politically savvy. And as a member of the Jewish elite, he's actively benefiting from Roman rule. So it's both in his professional responsibility and to his personal advantage that he maintains the status quo. And thinking about his motivation to keep things the same, it occurred to me that I have more in common with him than I might have first thought. Because I also hate it when I think everything's fine and somebody else wants to tell me it's not. It can happen in a really small way. You know when someone likes to tell you that you've missed a spot when you're cleaning up? It's fine! You want to do it? No, you don't. It's fine! I, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Or maybe it could be a little more significant. Maybe I find out that I have the wrong opinion. I'm sure I'm the only person that, likes to, that doesn't like to find out they're wrong, right? Nobody likes to be in that position when they find out that they're wrong about their opinion. Maybe more significantly still, I find out I'm in the wrong in my behavior. Maybe I'm in the wrong in a relationship. And seeing that, admitting that can be so frustrating so painful that it's often easier just not to, just to continue believing the same thing that was more convenient and comforting. And I wonder if that was a major reason why Jesus was so offensive, why Jesus is still so offensive. 
He disrupts our status quo. And sometimes he forces us to see that it's not fine. We're not fine. We like to imagine that we're good people, or failing that good enough at least. But Jesus says that we are so flawed, so broken, that we need somebody to come and die for us. We need him to come and die for us. Being told that we're not fine can feel like a criticism, like a threat, like an attack. And maybe that's why some people like to point out our shortcomings. But that's not why Jesus does it. Not long after his clash at the temple, after experiencing more and more hostility from the leaders in the city, Jesus said this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. If he can speak that tenderly about the people who are about to kill him, why would he be any less merciful with us? When Jesus says everything's not fine, our world isn't fine, our lives aren't fine, that you are not fine, he does it because he is the one person that can actually do something about it. So why not, as we wrap up, why not take a moment now to silently acknowledge the ways you know that you're not fine? To go one step further and ask him to give you the sight to see how you're not fine, the courage to see that. And then to go one step further again and ask to be able to see Jesus clearly as the one who wants to help you forgive you, heal your soul and walk with you until that glorious day when he returns, when everything really will be fine at last. Take a moment and then I'll finish in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're broken in more ways than we could ever admit. And if Jesus hadn't gone first in dying for us and guaranteeing our forgiveness, we'd never have the courage to, to face up how broken, to how broken we are. So we thank you so much that he went first. That we can know that he has nothing but love and forgiveness and grace and mercy for us. We pray that we wouldn't be self-righteous religious people that are addicted to the status quo, to maintaining things the same, to, to keeping up appearances. But instead, Jesus would give us the courage to admit that we're flawed, that we so badly need your help. And we pray that in that humility that you would bring, that it would bring glory to Jesus too. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. 
St Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.